Hello and welcome to Centuries and Saints. This is your host, Scott Matson. Thank you for tuning into the podcast for this third episode, looking at the love of God. Continuing our series on Centuries and Saints here, dealing with the attributes of God. So I pray that this teaching series thus far has been a blessing. Stay tuned now because we are going to conclude our three-part series on the love of God. And we've been doing a series now, this is our eighth week on the attributes of God, just getting to know God more and more, who he is and what his word says about him. And so I've been enjoying that. And last week we did our second uh, week on the love of God. So uh, I've been really digging that. And last week, we sort of delved deeply into the different characteristics of God's love that we see throughout the scriptures. And the four uh, words that we use, the four adjectives to describe God's love that we see in the word, uh, we, we said that God's love is sacrificial, eternal, humble, and loyal. Now, certainly there are many, many more, uh, but those are the four that we looked at last week. Uh, this week, we're going to continue, and I think we're probably going to conclude today, um, our study on the attributes of God's love. This this thing about the love of God, one of his attributes. You know, we started off by looking at the holiness of God, and then we spent a week looking at his self-existence and eternality, and this is the third week now on the love of God. And Okay, so today, I just want to remind you guys, and I just want to conclude uh, this look at the love of God by saying, man you know, God's love for us is unchanging, it's faithful, it's consistent, because God the Father loves us in Christ, God the Son. Now, that's a big theological point. It's very important that, you know, we grasp and understand that. In Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, the Apostle Paul said this, "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ,' just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Okay, and that's Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. And the beloved is speaking of Christ. Now, for me personally, this is one of my favorite portions in all of the Bible. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, actually in its entirety, is talking about the work of God, uh, the triune God, the Father, Son, and Spirit in our salvation, and what each member of the Trinity does uh, in accomplishing that salvation. And it's just so encouraging, so theologically rich and deep. Um, It's just inexhaustible. I love it. Okay, but I want to look at this passage that we just read because the Holy Spirit here inspired the Apostle Paul to write this down, to reveal to us, his people, uh, the love that God the Father has for us. It's, and it's amazing. It's a glorious, incredible love. Okay. Now, again, we've been looking at the different aspects of God's love over the last two weeks. And as we conclude our study on the love of God uh, this morning, I want to point something out that's important theologically and practically and devotionally and in every way for us. And that is simply this, as Paul says here in Ephesians 1, that God the Father has bestowed all of these blessings upon us, his people, in Christ. Now, it's important that we understand this because, as I've mentioned before, in the book of Exodus, when God reveals his character to Moses, you know, and he says, the Lord, the Lord, you know, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, 
uh, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, you know, and all those things. Uh, then towards the end, he says, you know, and will by no means clear the guilty. Uh, when we look at the love of God and his forgiveness, it's not sort of like a cotton candy, gushy, just sloppy sort of love at all. No, it's a fierce, furious uh, zeal and passion that God has for his people. And when, when God says that I don't clear the guilty, okay, that's what I mean by God's love is not just some sort of sloppy 21st century, you know, perversion of the word of love. You know, God doesn't pass over sin in the sense of just overlooking it and, oh, well, whatever. No, he pays for it justly uh, through sending his son to die on the cross and rise again for us. Okay, so when we say that the Father has bestowed all of these blessings upon us in Christ, that is vitally important to remember. Because theologically, first of all, that's the place where these blessings lie. Salvation, redemption, uh, getting to enjoy the presence of God, it's in Christ. And it's in no other place. Because Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Okay, so that's vitally important to remember that all of this is possible, and all of this happens and is true, uh, because of the work that God has done in saving us. And again, read Ephesians 1 for a deeper you know, uh, understanding of that. So it's important that we understand that these blessings are ours. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places uh, because we belong to Christ. You know, We are blessed by the Father and received and loved and adopted as sons and daughters in Christ. It's not anywhere else. It's not outside of Christ. That does not exist outside of Christ. It's only in Christ, you know? So that's why Paul says here in Ephesians 1, that God the Father has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And that's it. That's the only place, only through Jesus, you know? And, uh, you know, it's interesting because so many, so many in the world, so many people, especially I think in our Western culture here in America, where the main goal of life is tolerance and to never, ever be offensive or politically incorrect, you know, and that... God just sort of has this general gushy blob of love for every single person in the exact same way, you know, and that the unregenerate, impenitent sinners who want nothing to do with God and have suppressed the knowledge of God, you know, oh, they're not under God's wrath. Oh, no, God wouldn't have wrath. God wouldn't be holy. God wouldn't have, you know, punishment for sin. Well, that's completely incorrect. Now, that's the the attitude of our culture today, and sadly, that's the attitude, I think, in some ways of, of certain aspects of the church today. You know, the proliferation of, of teaching like that, that, you know, that just basically God is just mushy, gushy teddy bear, and that's all he is. Well, that's not true. You know, <laughs> God is infinitely holy. And so we have to remember that we have to look at all these things biblically, and we have to understand, you know, that all of these different things are in Christ, now, don't get me wrong. I do believe my theological position, and some disagree, and that's fine, is that God does love everyone, that God does have uh, a general love for his creation. And we see that God is good to all of his creation. Uh, theologians call it common grace. You know, Jesus said that, you know, the Father, you know, pours out rain on the just and the unjust, you know, and we see people all over the world every day that don't know God, they want nothing to do with God. And yet, you know, they have jobs and provision and they have food and joy and happiness and, you know, the love of family and friends. And that's all God's grace. That's all what, you know, again, what theologians call common grace. 
that God gives to everyone simply because he's just good and gracious. However, his salvific love, that love of salvation and redemption that we have as Christians is only for those of us who are in Christ, who've been born again by the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. That's it. You know, and so it's very important that we remember that, you know, that all these things are in Christ alone. The next thing I want to take a look at, man, is that it's so important for us to remember uh, God's love for us is in Christ because that means that his love for us, the love of the Father, the, the if I can use this expression, the way that the Father feels about us, does not shift or change with our ups and downs. So when we have a day when we think we've done very, very well, and we're not really sinning, and we're reading our Bibles and praying, and we're, we're sharing the gospel, and we're doing all the things that we're supposed to be doing, you know, and we think, man, that's so cool. God's got to be really happy with me right now. And then the next day, you wake up, and you sin, and you have a terrible day, and you don't share the gospel with anybody, and you don't have devotions, and you just have the worst day, and you're like, oh, man, and you start condemning yourself, and, and now God must be really upset with me right now, and probably doesn't really like me that much. That's not true. God's love is unshakable and unmovable. Why? Because God the Father chose to love us in Christ. He chose to love us. He didn't have to, but he chose to. Okay, so I want you guys to think about this, this little saying here. God the Father's love for you and me is as secure as his love for his son. That should make us... uh, very humbled and full of gratitude and feel secure and reassured because we know that the Trinity, the Godhead, you know, there is, there is no discord, no disunity, no disagreement. The Trinity is in perfect harmony. And so we know that God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit, the three in one God, the triune God exists in perfect harmony and perfect selfless, absolute love. And Because of the gospel, because of substitution and imputation, that Jesus took our place on the cross and that all of our sins were imputed to him and his righteousness was legally imputed to us. And God the Father, as Paul says in Ephesians 1, in that passage we read, has placed us in Christ, that the Father loves us exactly like he loves his Son, which doesn't change, which doesn't go up or down. Now, obviously, Jesus never fails. Uh, Jesus is God. He cannot sin all those things, of course. We are hidden in Christ, and so the Father sees us and treats us that same exact way. His love for us is not fickle or changing. Uh, It's so, so amazing, you know. So that is kind of what I wanted to finish up with here when we're talking about the love of God. You know, it's so important that we remember that God's saving love, that salvific love, and all these spiritual blessings in heavenly places are ours only because by His grace we are in Christ. These things are not for people who are not in Christ. Yes, the unregenerate sinner, I believe, is loved by God, certainly. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, but the person who does not have the son is under the wrath of God, according to the Bible. And that person does not have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places because they're not in Christ. It's only in Christ that we have these things. And understanding this will also help us guard against becoming pluralistic, uh, you know, or muddying the truth of the absolute exclusivity of Jesus, you know, because he said he alone is the way to the Father. There's no other. And so that's why this stuff's so important, you know, for us as God's people theologically, 
You know, uh, to be able to stand for truth in the midst of a culture that is trying to strip everyone of truth. Um, you know, we have absolute propositional truths that we see in Scripture that we need to stand firm with, and this is one of them. And secondly, man, knowing that we are loved by God the Father the same way that Jesus is, uh, that's just mind-blowing, and that should give us great, great joy and comfort. Now, I want to finish up this morning, guys, pointing out one more thing, uh, one more error sometimes that we as believers can fall into. And it's sort of the classic, uh, you know, God is angry you know, view. And basically what it is this, that God the Father is just this mean, cranky old man, and he hates everybody. And then Jesus comes and calms him down. And then God the Father starts liking people. Now that's a gross oversimplification, but that's the view that a lot of people, and I think a lot of Christians honestly have of God. You know, that God the Father is terrifying and mean and doesn't really care about us or like us that much. Jesus loves us a lot, and he's our friend and our brother and, and our God. And so he goes between us and the Father, and he sort of calms the Father down and makes the Father like us. All right? Now, that's obviously stupid and ridiculous, and it is. And it's, I mean, even blasphemous, you know, because God the Father does love us. Uh, Jesus revealed the Father. What you see in Jesus, that's who the Father is. You know, but that's the view I think that a lot of us sometimes fall into. We need to combat that because as we read the scriptures, especially this passage in Ephesians 1 that we're talking about, the Father is the one who initiated the plan and the call of salvation because of his great love for his people. You know, it's amazing. So in other words, and I'm going to read a a quote here by classic theologian and Bible teacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones, just a classic man of God. And I'm going to read the quote, but basically the gist of this is that you know, sometimes we get it backwards, you know, God, the father doesn't love us because Christ died for us. Rather Christ died for us because God, the father loves us. Okay. So it's the love of God for his people that caused him to set the whole plan of salvation in motion, not the other way around. All right. We need to remember that. It's so important to remember that. So let's read this quote by our brother, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said this quote, Sometimes rather loosely, evangelical people especially are tempted. We are tempted to put this whole question of the atonement and of salvation in this way, that it is something the Son of God has done to affect the Father, and that the Son, having done the work, stands before the Father and pleads with him and has to persuade him to forgive us because of what he has done for us. Now, that is a very terrible way of putting it, but it has often been put like that. There are some hymns that put it like that. I remember being brought up, in a sense, on a hymn in another language, which very specifically and explicitly put it like that, that the son was there pleading with the father and saying, I have died for them, let them live. Now, that's a terrible travesty of of the scripture. Though we realize that the work was done by the son, what we must never forget is this, that it was the father who sent the son to do it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God is the actor. God is the prime mover. Salvation is of God the Father. And therefore, I say it is very wrong to represent God the Father as being passive and being pleaded with and appealed to and persuaded by the Son in his work to grant us salvation and to grant us forgiveness. End quote. 
And amen to that, Brother Jones. <laughs> amen. God the Father is the one who set his love upon us, his people, and that he's the one who sent the Son to accomplish our salvation because of his great love for us. It's not the cross of Christ that makes God the Father love us. Rather, it's God the Father's love that set in motion the cross of Christ by which we are saved. And so, pray that we can all remember that to a greater degree. Pray God bless you like crazy today, uh, whatever you might be doing today. So, God bless you. Uh, Enjoy the rest of this day. Relax if you're able and just rest in the love of God for you in Christ. In Jesus' name. Again, thank you for tuning into the podcast today. I hope you have enjoyed the conclusion to our three-part series on the love of God. Well, stay tuned for more episodes coming up because we've got quite a bit of ground left to cover in this Attributes of God series here for season two. Once again, as always, I ask that you please go to the podcast store, leave us a rating, write us a review. It really helps spread the word. Again, I appreciate you listening. And for Centuries and Saints, this is Scott Matson. Until next time. The scenes are your friends.